This is Aikido Discussed, your regular weekly Aikido podcast where we talk about all the joys, pains, greatness, and sorrow of the martial art of Aikido. I am Christopher Heim, head instructor at Aikido Fresno, and with me today is... Joshua Tihi, assistant instructor at Aikido of Fresno. And Maya Solana McDaniel, third Q and student at Aikido of Fresno. All right. What are we talking about today? <laughs> what are we talking about? We pre-gamed this really well, guys, so... Yeah, yeah we um, had some burgers, and yeah. we pre-gamed it, and, and we're not at Denny's today. Right. We're, Although uh, still taking donations yeah. from Denny's. Uh, this sounds going to be better today, I hope. We want to talk so. about we'll live training <coughs> in Aikido, and um, A, look, what does that mean? B, why is it important? C, how people might get started with uh, bringing in some live training if they so choose. So, uh, let's start with A. Did I, A, yeah, A, not what, yeah. Uh, what, what is it? So when we're talking about live training, and, and some people may have heard this term before, and others maybe not so much. Um, we talk about it uh, from time to time. What does it mean, and, and then we can move into why, why it's important for, for uh, Aikido. So, uh, as far as I know, Matt Thornton uh, coined the phrase uh, live training. Uh, he didn't invent live training. He just coined the phrase. And then he's the first person who made a good video a while back. I don't remember if it was like the end of the 90s or beginning of the 2000s, um, where he talks about live training, what it is, and the importance of it. And it, it kind of helped uh, illuminate the area to a lot of people. So, a lot of people give him credit for it. Um, he did make a really nice video that kind of explained the concept. Um, live training is essentially the idea that you train in a way where both parties are trying to achieve an objective in real time. Uh, so you're going, you know, full speed or near full speed, um, with approximating full resistance, you know? And so, you know, like th these things are slightly changeable, right? So that doesn't mean everyone's always going hundred percent as hard as they can, or everyone's going hundred percent as fast as they can. But you're, you're working to achieve an objective um, uh, against someone else. Um, and this, this uh, working against each other in training um, much more closely simulates the kind of situations you're going to be in when you're actually applying martial art technique. Um, and it stresses you in all the right ways and makes you develop um, adaptations to what happens in all the right ways. And it makes you better at doing your martial art. And that's opposed to uh, to uh, what a lot of traditional martial arts uh, do, forms training or just sort of uh, the kata stuff. Right, 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 right. And and you know, like this is all really tricky stuff to talk about. Um, and I really think a lot of the modern sport martial artists think this stuff was just recently invented and that's what makes martial arts so good now. And you know, people weren't doing this for years. This is not true. I mean. The Greeks were doing this, you know, like live training and, and actually wrestling and fighting and sparring against each other full speed is nothing yeah. new. Um, you know, all in Europe, they were doing that with swords for years. This is what fencing was born from. Um, this is not a new concept. However, um, for this period that I, I really kind of have been calling the martial arts dark ages for years, you know, it's uh, somewhere probably starting around the 1940s. Um, where martial arts kind of just kind of fell into a slump as a whole. And uh, mostly what was really popular in that time period 
was forms training. And forms training is just a stepwise following of patterns to learn a technique. And that, and, and while that does uh, <clears throat> teach you some things, it's limited in, in what you're learning. And I think there's some confusion that happens when uh, people are doing forms training and they think they're doing live training or they, or they think they're going to get something out of it more akin to to live training yeah i was actually going to ask um in forms training you know depending on different aikido schools i think there are a lot of people in a lot of different schools where they're doing forms training but um they are going a little more like full resistance like to the technique you know what i mean mm -hmm. and so i think that they could by maybe even by your definition think that that would be live training yep and I think that's where it gets really confusing for um, people. So I, I think there's lots of different schools we could look at. Uh, and uh, there are schools that base their training on resisting the form. So meaning that the nage is trying to do, you know, ikkyomote. And the uke is directly resisting that uh, ikkyomote. And so the force that it requires to um, apply it is higher. And that's the kind of stress that um, they're, they're getting through it. And so doing that, they're like, oh yeah, I have a really good ikkyo because um, uh, they're trying so hard to resist me. That does add stresses. Stresses are what make us good at anything, right? So think about it. If you go to the gym and you just lift a bar with no weights on it over and over and over, you only get so strong. However, if you continuously add weight to the, the bar over weeks and months and years, um, you are continuing to add stress to yourself and you're continuing to stress your muscles and they're continuing to grow. And that's how you get big and yoked is you add stress to the weights. Um, the thing with martial arts is martial arts are not like lifting weights where just being stronger is better. There's It's it's much more multi-dimensional. There's much more going on. So um, when you're doing forms training, if you're directly resisting the form, you're getting a little more out of it. But still, there's so much more that you're missing because you're only learning to do one thing in one way um, and to, to learn how to push through that one way. There's other schools that like to do things really fast and explosively. They do the forms fast and explosively. Now look, trying to do something fast also stresses yourself and you will get faster and more explosive. However, martial arts training is multidimensional and you're not learning how to adapt in the right way. Whereas live training allows you to make adaptations, allows your partner to make adaptations, and for you to learn when they're adapting and how you adapt with them. And that's much more in line with what's gonna happen in an actual situation versus someone rigidly resisting you or someone allowing you to do something really fast and explosively. Not that you can't get anything out of that, it's just not live training. So, <coughs> and we, and I think we're beginning to touch on the part which is um, why is this why is this an important thing why is it something that um, we should be looking at in Aikido so it is or is not important depending upon the person this is where this podcast always goes where it's like you know and it's because I never want to say something's right or wrong or good or bad because it depends on what you want to do. So let's look at ballet dancing, right? All right, ballet dancing is a high level thing. It's very high level. Um, the professional ballet dancers have to be really good and strong and explosive and have good form and all this stuff. It's very high level. There is no live type of training 
in ballet. Meaning that like, there's never a thing where some dancer comes out and does a bunch of crazy stuff that you got to adjust to. And, uh, you know, they fly in the air and other guys got to catch them really quick or, you know, there's nothing like that. Ballet is a form based art. That's the way it works. The The idea is to perfectly master the form. Right. The, the routine. Right. The, dance, the routine yeah. and, and, and make it beautiful and perfect. If yeah. you want to train Aikido that way, I think that's perfectly cool. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I've met a lot of people that are like that and it's awesome. And I they mean, have beautiful yeah. Aikido. I mean, yeah. there are lots of people I know who have beautiful Aikido that makes me go, wow, that looks awesome. And all they do is forms. There's nothing wrong with forms training. And if you want to just do forms training, that is totally cool. But it's not a martial thing, right? So dancing is not martial. Um, and Aikido practice with forms only also cannot be martial. Um, you have to have the unexpected. You have to have adaptations and you have to have a living practice. Um, and I really think like the analogy of language is the easiest way to describe this. You know, you could academically study a language and probably lots and lots of listeners have done this where, you know, you take four years of French in high school, you go to college, you take another four years of French and you still don't speak French, right? Or whatever language, insert whatever language you want because you've academically studied it. Now look, if you sit down, you could work through material and you could figure out what something says um, and maybe you could even listen to it and pretty much catch what people are saying, but you cannot conversationally speak it. And you know, people who go to France for six months or a year will say, I learned way more in six months than I did in eight years of studying this language because they conversationally speak it. And so that's a different thing. It's live because when I say something, someone's going to have a response that I don't know what it's going to be. And it could be weird. It could be expected. It could be all kinds of ways. And it's the same thing. If I throw a punch at someone, they're going to have different kinds of responses. Um, and so after seeing the responses over and over, so, you know, if someone asked me where the bathroom is in French um, and I, I can respond to them. There's going to be a number of answers that are common answers. And through that, I'm going to become comfortable handling those answers and, and, and what to do with them. Same thing with being in a, a situation where people punch me, kick me, whatever. So um, if you want to use it martially, meaning I want to practically defend myself with this stuff or whatever, um, then you have to speak it conversationally. And that's why something like Latin really isn't spoken conversationally anymore because no one knows it that way. They only, and it said Latin's a dead language because it's only studied academically. Um, and so there is no live practice for Latin. So it's not a living language. And it's like Aikido. If Aikido doesn't have a live practice, then it won't be a live martial art. It won't be a martial art that can be used in that way. And so has it ever uh, <coughs> a, a live practice? Oh, man. This I mean, is can a, you, uh, uh, you is, know. Isn't that a big debate? Is this a big debate? I, so, I mean, yes and no, I guess. Um, so look. I think a lot of Aikido people think they're doing live practice by doing something like Jiawaza. I was going right. to ask about that. <laughs> yeah. So um, Jiawaza is not live practice. Jiawaza is spontaneous planned practice. And that's, it's a confusing thing. And Jiawaza practice to a certain extent is good and will help your, your training. Um, but basically what Jiawaza is doing is people are going to come at me in different ways. And I need to be able to handle the different ways. So maybe they're going to throw a yoke and maybe they're going to grab my sleeve. Maybe they're going to grab my wrist. Who knows? This is spontaneous. And so, I mean, maybe to a minor, minor degree, you could begin to say that's live, but it's only on one side. The other, once they do that, I'm going to do a technique and they're not going to do any adaptations to it. 
right? So they're not going to change with me. They're not going to try and counter my technique. They're not going to try and escape my technique. They're not going to do something I don't expect or understand. They're going to fall down most all the time. Maybe they're going to resist hard before they fall down. And some schools have practices like that, but they're really just going to fall down. So it's not live because I'm not seeing possible other interactions and it's not developing me to, to have natural spontaneous responses to this. Um, I think a big part of understanding live training and forms training and why they're different is understanding the conscious and, and unconscious mind. Forms training is mostly teaching the conscious mind. There are some movement things and stuff you'll get that get ingrained into the body and become unconscious, but mostly it's training the conscious mind. And if something different happens, there's no way to deal with it. The conscious mind's too slow, can't deal with it. Whereas live training is constantly training the unconscious mind. So when you're stressed and in a weird situation, the unconscious mind can, res can respond naturally to the situation as it unfolds. I was Go just ahead. gonna say, so then people who do more live training probably learn things a lot faster than people who just do forms training. Yes right? and no. Um, yes and no. So they learn to, a, to apply their things faster. Yeah. Um, uh, my teacher, when I started studying Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, he said, um, you know, the old way to learn Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, you know, and he's talking like uh, pre-1990s, um, you know, and that's not very old, but like the older way to learn it when you were learning from the Gracies was basically they didn't let you roll much um, until after you were a blue belt, like the first real rank in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Um, and so those guys got a lot of good form and they understood how the things worked, but they sucked when you would throw them in tournaments with guys who had been rolling since they, since day one, right? So some, some Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu schools would teach, uh, day one, they would start you rolling. That's how I started learning. Um, and he said, so, you know, their blue belts comparatively sucked in tournaments because they just didn't have the live training practice that these white belts had had for two years before they got to the ring. He said, however, usually at about the purple belt, there was this kind of surpassing uh, level. Jump, yeah. Because they had better form. So do they learn faster? Yes, in respect, they do learn faster because they learn to apply what they know way faster. Mm -hmm. However, um, they tend to be sloppy and make lots of mistakes and use strength and speed to, to uh, answer to things. Cover up, uh -huh. yeah. Right, and so that strength and speed can only take you so far. And then once you get a more advanced game, then the people who have good form and now know how to roll, tend to surpass quicker. Um, that all flushes out by the time you get to black belt either way, but um, that's kind of the trade-off you're looking at. So the the ideal would be that you're doing both sort of interchangeably so that there's some, some form training because you need that so that you can correct mistakes that you're making in the live training absolutely. that you don't even understand why you're making. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So it's more about just internalizing is the live training allows you to internalize different ideas and, and experience different uh, situations that you don't know how to handle and just kind of think of different things to do, try different new things. And, and then going back to forms would be where you go, okay, let me just ask more questions about this. So basically what you out. want, and, and I did this when I was, when I first started working with Aikido as a live martial art, um, I had to do this all the time. You want a good model in your head where you understand what the martial arts system's answers are. So you understand what Aikido's answers are. And you know, I came from Awama school, had lots of technical background, which was great. Um, so I had all these forms that were ingrained. I didn't even know why I was doing a lot of the things I was doing. They just were ingrained in me, right? I had good form. Once I had that model in my conscious mind, when my when I ran into problems live training, which is all my unconscious mind, I could then ask 
my conscious mind, hey, what's the answer? And then go, oh, this is the mistake my unconscious is making. Mm -hmm. And then I could train it. I could ingrain the right way to do that. Because I really didn't have a lot of that because I hadn't been doing it live for years. So when someone would go to you know wrestle with me or something, I didn't have the right responses. So I would go into the Aikido knowledge I had and go, okay, the right response is this. And the next time I would go into live training, I would try and use it that way. And then I noticed there was a quick development that way because I had good structures in my head. I just needed to teach my unconscious mind how to use those on the fly. <laughs> um, I have kind of a weird question. This is something I was thinking about. Um, I always hear people saying that like it takes – it takes you 20 years to get good at Aikido. 10,000 hours. Okay, right. Well, I mean, yeah. Come on. <laughs> okay. That's um, the modern cool, right, and honestly, right. better, in some ways, better approach. But, but yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very common. Go 20 ahead. years it's, is it's common. It's common that, like, it, it seems like it, people like to say that it takes you longer to learn Aikido, you know, to really perfect it. Um, could that be something to do with, because of the lack of live training, it takes a longer time to internalize those ideas because there's not that aspect of, um, getting into your un unconscious mind by just you know doing it live with someone and, and you know figuring out like change changing your body's reactions to things rather than just forms 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 for years and years and years. Do you, I mean, is that something? That, I don't know. That was just something that popped up in my head. No, I mean I think it's a good good thing to think about. Um, look, I don't know what that's all about. That twenty year thing. I don't know <laughs> what it's all about. And and part of what I think it's all about is. Um, no one is really great at Aikido in a live situation. And look, people are going to get real mad at me for saying this, but um, I've been doing Aikido a long time. Uh, I've been doing sport martial arts. I do all kinds of competitive martial arts and live martial arts. And I can tell you, looking at what the state of the art is in Aikido, there really isn't anyone doing it on a live level at a very high level. Um, so when you hear this 20 year thing, I think they're saying like, just, we keep hoping. Right. We haven't got there we, yet. We keep Someone, hoping. Yeah. We keep hoping. So, um, there are definitely some things that I got from just forms training over and over and over and over and over that got ingrained in me, but yeah. it's not the important adaptations you need. The most important thing, especially when you're a smaller person facing a bigger person is to have those adaptations on the fly. The quicker you can make those adaptations, the more likely you are to be successful because you don't have more power than the other person, so you can't rely on power. So you only learn those adaptations by spontaneously facing them over and over and over and over and over again. Well, I feel like um, there's something about the live uh, or, or experiencing things in a, a more live situation that uh, it, 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 they reinforce each other, right? So uh, I remember when we sort of first started, um, you know, we're doing sumio tosh, let's say, and uh, which is the the elbow drop, whatever. Uh, I had done it a million times. I don't know, whatever. I knew it. Um, it wasn't until I did it in a sort of live situation that it just it, it sunk in me, and from then on, it was like I knew perfectly how to do. Like I could do it perfectly. I understood it. I mean, not perfect, you know, but I understood it, and it was. It took me doing it in a right. situation that wasn't a form. Before it was like, oh, okay, I, I know where this thing fits in yeah. in in the context of the um, 
the the confrontation or whatever. Right. So you yeah. went from knowing it like intellectually to like right, I get right, it now. right, right. I, really I get mean, it. I really yeah. yeah. I felt like after I did it, and it was one time, and I remember very vividly, put the guy on the ground, and it was like, oh, duh, you know. And then from then on, it was like I knew where that thing was. I knew how to find it in a spontaneous um, situation, you know. Yeah. And and this is you know we were doing geowaz so it wasn't live training but it was spontaneous training and i could now i now knew where that thing existed yeah right Whoa. so if you play that out uh further with live training you right. you can see how that would be useful yeah. yeah um so so that's like when you hear sport martial artists talking about live training that's what they're trying to talk about and then when you hear people who have ventured into that area and they realize the power of live training uh, and they want to bring it to Aikido, that's what they're trying to say. They want to have that practice in Aikido. And personally, the, the, the biggest problem I run into with most of the people doing this work right now, I think it's great that they want to do this work. I think it's awesome. I'm 100% in support of it. The problem is they can only see one context and in order to train the martial art in a live way, you have to have the right context for the martial art. And this is what I spent, you know, whatever it was, six years in a garage, getting thrown against the wall all the time. And, uh, you know, another, how many ever years I've had Aikido Fresno now, um, another eight years or whatever, um, working to develop was the context so we could have a viable live so, and that, that would be the, the next question, I think, is what would that look like? So we know what it looks like in, in other sports, jujitsu, it's, it's rolling um, in, you know, boxing, you're sparring or, or whatever. Um, what, what's it look like in, a, in Aikido? I think that's a big question. I mean, I think everyone's yeah, and, trying to figure that right, out. And, right, and, and, and like, uh, are there ways that, and I think I know the answer to this because, duh, but... Um, but I'm going to ask duh. it anyway. Um, are, are there things like it's not going to be a giant jump, I don't think. So, moving even just movement toward a more live practice is are there things that people can do? So, wait, are you asking like how do we get into live practice, or are you asking what the context is, or are you kind of asking both? And like, so what's our context? How do we move into it? Like, yeah, 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 that one. <laughs> so yeah, that one. <laughs> so you know first we got to figure out our context look everyone needs to figure out their own context this is the hotbed of aikido right now what is the context even though i th I, th I don't think a lot of people have realized how to ask that question yet but that is what we're all discussing a lot of people believe the context of aikido is some kind of boxing and wrestling um and that would make it much like MMA. It would make it much like, you know, a boxing system or a wrestling system or whatever. They think Aikido is something like that uh, and useful in that arena. Um, I personally do not. Um, and this is from uh, already having done a bunch of Aikido and then trying to do MMA with Aikido and it not working at all, making no sense. Um, and then um, for years, like hybridizing it and realizing that the hybridization doesn't work because Aikido is just not built to deal with unarmed boxing and unarmed wrestling. It just, it, its choices are no good for that. Now, if you think unarmed boxing and unarmed wrestling are the epitome of, of 
you know, the only context for martial arts, you need to start to look outside of that to go, oh, they have limitations also. You know, and this is why, man, I feel like I say the same thing all the time, but this is why, you know, the Army Rangers don't spend much time right. doing MMA, right? It's not very important to them because their context is shooting people with night vision on, right? Like that's, you know, like pulling security and knocking down doors. That's what their context is. So because that's their context, their live training, an Army Rangers live training looks very different than MMA. That'd be a silly thing for them to practice a lot of MMA. Um, not that a lot of Rangers don't think MMA is great, but um, so you got to find the right context. And with Aikido, that context to me is really simply, it's an asymmetrical situation, meaning a situation where someone wants to get me, but I do not want to get them back. I just don't want to be gotten. Uh, it involves multiple attackers and it revolves around weapons. And when you put these three, this little trinity together, um, all the techniques of Aikido immediately start making sense. They start fitting. And then when you train them live around that context, they work. And not only do they work when Aikido people do them, they work when anyone does them. And if you look on YouTube and take the time to look up these situations, you will see the same techniques we practice in Aikido done by people of other systems, done by people who don't know martial arts at all, because that's what fits the situation. Okay, so now moving to the next step. How can people start live doing this then in live training, taking the stuff that, that they already know from the forms and moving it in, into live you know, training? One thing that I don't know that I would say that I was just thinking about right now is like, I think people have this fixation on getting through, you know, like at the, going all the way to the end of the end of the line or, you know, going all the way to the pin or something. And like, there's just, just, I think there's this weird like obsession with that because yep. that's, that's hot, you know, yep. you get them, the, you feel right. awesome, you're right. the dominant person. And like, I think, I, I mean, I don't know, like for the longest time that was how I viewed it was just like, oh, this is what Kota Geish looks like that's what this is what it is is to get them all the way to here you know and do the pin and yeah throw them down know. and right exactly twist them over and um yeah flip exactly them. right flip them yeah flip twist them. the crap out of their wrist you make know them tap real hard flip them that makes over me feel good. do the shovel pin make them hurt make it hurt yeah, you know yeah. like do the whole thing um but like putting that into the context of like using it as a disarm like i don't care about whether they fall or not i just want to get that freaking knife towards their face and yep. get it out of their hand you yep. know what i mean like yep. <laughs> And I think it's really cool to see that outside of the the normal way that people look at it. And I think, I mean, I think there are a lot of people that do see it like that, but I think there are also a lot of people that, that aren't looking at it that way. And I think also, too, the way that we've talked about, like, not just thinking about, like, the whole technique, but thinking about what do the beginnings of the t techniques have to offer us that are in yeah. the forms, you know what I mean? Yeah. What, what are all the... Um, the, the first blends, the, the awase that's yes. happening, like, what, what is that showing us? Um, rather than just going, okay, Right, well, because that's that's, yeah. that's what ends up in the live training. Right. Yep. You know. Yeah. Uh, yep. When you're using, that's the thing. Like, Ikkyo isn't isn't a pin. It's, I knock your elbow away. Right. Uh, so you Or I, I hold it there so you can't come and grab me while I'm stabbing right. you or whatever. Man, I, I feel like we need to flush this out more because of what you guys are saying right now is the secret, I believe, to starting to understand where Aikido is most effective and how it works in live training and people just miss it. They miss it, you know? So for example, when we are doing a technique like, um, say, uh, Katadori Ikkyo Omotewaza, right? Where someone grabs my shoulder, 
I step out to an angle, I push them off of me, I drive them down to the ground, and I hold them, right? So like that's a form, right? Um, people see the end, which is me holding someone down via ikkyo, and that is what they focus on, and right. that's what they think it is. Now, there are a whole bunch of steps before that that, believe it or not, are way more important, right. way more useful, and the thing that Aikido is trying to teach and you. Each one, each one of those, each moment in that entire technique could be the end of the. That's exactly right. That's exactly you know? right. And if you look at it that way, you'll start to see what the real techniques of Aikido. And and here's you know heads up, it's awase blending with someone else, and it's tainohinko positioning yourself correctly to someone else, and it's hodoki escaping if they get a hold of you, and then projecting and adapting Conrad and Nage if that doesn't work out. That's what's really happening. Um, but all they can see is the cool part at the end because that's like the pin, you know? And so this is why sport martial arts have kind of screwed us because in sport martial arts are symmetrical situations where both people are trying to achieve the same goal. Sport martial arts say you win points when you pin them. You win points when you throw them down. Or when you hurt them. Right, when, when you, you, yeah. right, you get them to tap out, you get them to go to sleep. This is when you win points. That is not what an asymmetrical situation is. If the other guy would just leave, that's a win, right? right. So we don't win by, I, I was actually just watching a documentary on guerrilla warfare, and they were saying the difference between conventional warfare and irregular warfare, guerrilla warfare, is that conventional warfare, the only way to win is to defeat the other side. In irregular warfare, how you win is to not let the other side defeat you. Right, right. Because it's you a war of attrition. Keep you, existing. Yep, right, you grind right, them right. down, grind them down, grind them down. And we know historically, guerrillas are really difficult to beat. Right. Right? right. Um, and guerrillas have won many a war via this attrition, right? Where it's just like, it's just hard to get me, yeah. hard to get me, hard to get me. Mm -hmm. Where have we heard these stories before? In Ueshiba, in the famous duel that wasn't a duel, where the guy threw down his sword because he was upset. You know, he just couldn't get Ueshiba. Um, this idea of asymmetry, I believe, is woven into Aikido, where it's like, look, it's a pure self-defense martial art. I'm not trying to get you. I just won't let you get me. And then you, you know, you see something like uh, Kokinage. This is a good example. I see, I do see this a lot. Or even like Koshinage, uh, the big hip, hip toss and throw. Um, you know, when you see it in a demonstration uh, situation, or you see it even in like a Jiwaza, it's this nice, big, beautiful thing, right? But it's like it doesn't need to be that. All I need to do is bump him up off my hip for That's a exactly half a right. second, so I can, you know, pull the weapon and, and hit him, or make some space to get the hell out of That's there. That's exactly right. Um, and, and that's it, what happens in live practice. And it won't look it won't look nice. It no. won't, it, or it doesn't have to. It might if everything plays out the way it's supposed to, but it probably won't. Um, and so, if you were to see a live training practice, I, it probably is not going to look like anything no. that you've seen before. And and so you might be like, "Oh, that's ugly. I don't want to do that." Yeah, my latest obsession has been realizing how awesome triangle is. Yeah, um, yeah. triangle. Uh, so this is we use this word. Um, not many other schools. I think Iwama people kind of say triangle sometimes, but it's a tainohinko where you position yourself at a forty-five degree angle with a new lead foot and you pull away. Uh, commonly seen in Aikido styles in katadori ikkyo mote, katadori ikkyo with the atemi. Yeah, so. with the atemi. Yeah, right. um, and so I, I, I just I think it's badass because it like you make all this space and hopefully i mean you know with that you're stretching your your chest out and you're you extending as far as you can and that does a really great job of like 
um, helping them to let go or, right. you know, ripping their grip off of you. Right, right. And, and create an angle where it's hard for them to return back to you. Yeah, and I think, like, the in the forms, you know, so you always see it, you always see it, oh, I tried and it didn't work. That's always the way that it looks in the forms because the forms, like, they were built to show you, well, what if shit gets bad? Right, that's what if exactly shit gets what they're bad? built to do. And so I think, like, people have lost the, 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 the sight of the fact that it's what if shit gets bad. They just think, oh, that's just what you do. You know, right. it's, it's, I've got to do six steps to do an Aikido technique. Right, right. And, and like, like what's built in really is this thing. You're supposed to know this thing as much as the, the end product. You know what I mean? More uh -huh. so because you practice it more. Mm -hmm. If you look at the repetition in things, you practice six Tainoinko. There's only six Tainoinko in Aikido. You practice those multiple times for multiple forms. Whereas Shionage, you just practice it this, you know what I'm right. saying? Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. you use the Tainohinko way more than you use any throw or any control or any anything else. Well, and on top of that, I would say that like the, the Atemi that goes with that triangle, I think it's funny because so many people look at that and go like, see, proof of, of uh, punching. Right, right. Proof, proof of, punching. of punching. And it's like, right. okay, sorry, but, but like that would punch. be the worst way to punch somebody. Like the little that I know about boxing and the little that I've done of boxing, I don't. I wouldn't want to punch someone like that um, if I was aiming to hurt them. Um, but it works super great as a like, oh shit, there's in some something in my face, right, and and, right. and it's too late now ever to let them go. And of a shoulder, contact point you know? to allow you to push your shoulder. Absolutely right, right. creating that extension yeah. all the way across, yeah. and like, it's just it's funny to me that that's um, people misunderstand that when it's so so great, it's right there, you right. know. And I feel like that's one of those things that. Um, can be so, so useful and like drilled into you when you're doing live training to bring it all the way back around. Right. Um, so yeah. what, what's like the, the one, like, uh, I'm li you're li listening to the podcast right now. Uh, you're like, man, I like this idea of live training. I want tomorrow when I go down <laughs> to the dojo, I want to be like, Hey, can we try this out? Do we have an idea for, for <laughs> said people? Okay, well, let's talk about the problems first, and then we'll talk about some solutions. Oh, see, it's so, not easy. Yeah, Dang never, it. never easy. I was either. expecting you to just be ready, and here's here's our... Well, I mean, I got those, but I'm going to tell you the first All bullshit right. you're going to run right. into. All right. Um, so, first problem is don't go to your dojo well, where right, you're right, a right. freaking, <laughs> you know, fifth cue and tell your sensei that you're going to do live training today. Um, and I, I think, wasn't suggesting that. Right, I know. And I think uh, most people get that, but don't do that. Um, honestly. And if you do, don't let them know. Don't let them know that we told you. Yeah, don't, <laughs> definitely don't tell you. Right, I was listening to those guys on that podcast. They said we should. Um, if you want to have a respectable discussion <laughs> with your sensei about that, that is a, you know, after classy kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but really, honestly, if you're, especially if you're not Udancha, don't bring that up. It's just. Unless your teacher's already doing it and talking about it, it's not something to bring up. Um, learn Aikido the way your teacher is teaching it. So, and there's our disclaimer for that. Um, because your your teacher's good at right, Aikido, no, right? Yeah, they've been right, teaching right. Aikido for a while. They know how to teach Aikido. Learn what they've got to offer. Um, okay, then the next problem you're going to run into. So, say you know your Udancha, you know you're one of the higher ranking students in the dojo, and you and your teacher have a good relationship and you can broach the subject or you have your own dojo and you want to start adding live training to it, how do you do it? Um, the next problem you're going to have is that people are just going to go batshit crazy no. and they're going to go as fast and hard as they can with each other and your dojo is all going to have injuries uh, in the first month and then you're not going to want True. to do live training anymore because everybody's beat the hell up. 
you have to have a very slow progression, especially if your dojo is not full of people who have other done, done other sport martial arts. Now, look, if your dojo is like, you know, this was the way we had it for a while. We had a garage where, you know, there were four of us for five years and then we just beat the hell out of each other constantly. That's a different situation. So if you're in that kind of situation where, you know, everyone's done Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and Judo and they're very aware of life training, you can jump into it faster because they're going to be more sensible about how you do life training. But if they never have before, you know, they don't box, wrestle, they don't do anything, they're going to beat the hell out of each other. So it has to be done slowly. You have to be razor clear about what your context you're working on is. I mean, you have to know exactly what your context is because you're going to get context drift, meaning you're going to want to start just wrestling and boxing or you're going to, you know, if wrestling and boxing is your context, that's cool. Work Aikido in that realm. But if you want to say, start working multiple attackers, Otherwise, watch it's, it's your drift. Devolve, yeah. It's going to devolve. And it's just going to become boxing and wrestling. Boxing and wrestling is a really easy context. And that's why it's so commonly seen. It's an easy context. I wrestle you till you quit, or I box you till you quit, or I box and wrestle you till you quit. You know, when I say box and wrestle, meaning grappling and unarmed striking, but MMA is really, man, it's just boxing and wrestling. I mean, I say, just like I say karate, you know, I teach karate half the time because it's like, it's easier to say that than, than to actually, but, but the truth is like, it's going to devolve. So you have to be very clear about what your context is. Start with simple exercises like escaping a shoulder grab. That's a good place to start. Have one person hold your shoulder as hard as they can and you try to escape, let them adapt and change and move with it, and you do, and you try your best to get out of there, right? This will start to teach you these kinds of things. Start it on a limited scale. Look, I'm not gonna hit you, uh, I'm not gonna twist you too hard, I'm just gonna try and pop free. You can build from there. I have, I think you can still find this on YouTube, I have a, a set of three drills that I started us with years ago that were really safe and began to get everyone into the groove of what live training was and taught them how to do it sensibly. And then we could start to go harder and harder and harder. Honestly, my feeling is Aikido Rondori, different than what people call Giawaza, but Aikido Rondori where the Ukes are trying their best to get you is way harder, not just skill-wise, but also harder on the body than... Uh, boxing and wrestling are. Uh, they're, they're, it's just hard on the body because it's so explosive on both sides. You're moving so fast and so hard. Um, you're likely to get lots of strains and sprains, especially in the beginning. Yeah, what you said to me when we started um, doing wrestling or, you know, BJJ, like, you know, you do... BJJ. 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 <laughs> That's great. No, nope, that was... Yeah, that made me feel weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rightfully um, so. Um, Possible. Like... At first, we all just wanted to go super hard right. and, and quick. And you're like, you'll learn very fast that doesn't work. when we're rolling, like, just don't freak out. Don't muscle everything as hard as you possibly can, especially because, like, you're not going to be able to wrestle, muscle most people. Right. Like, I'm not. Um, and, you know, it tires you out fast, and we've got three more rounds to go. You yeah. know, so I think that's something, like, I mean, that's what you were saying is, like, people are going to want to tend to use their speed and their strength super, course, super course. hard. Of course, and you need to understand that's, that's a viable door, yeah. tool. That's right. a viable tool to right. use those. Um, and the only way you're going to learn to counter that without strength and speed is to have other people coming at you strong and fast and hard. Um, it's just, it's going to take a toll until you learn how to judiciously use strength and speed, right? So there's there's a skill set to that. And it's then, kind of the slow, smooth, smooth, fast idea. Yeah. Don't start it, this it's, on. It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, also, another thing is, you know, and like, you know, when I started us doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, 
Um, I had already done it for years and was comfortable with it and enrolled with lots and lots of people. Um, and so having one person to see that wasn't strengthening and speeding everything helps you guys, yeah, right? Yeah. Yes. Um, and uh, that's more so true if you get to go to a school where there's, you know, like uh, three or four black belts you can roll with and there's, you know, a bunch of purple belts and a whole bunch of blue belts, people who know how to roll. You'll get the idea more quickly because you'll see, oh, all the people who beat me, they don't really use a lot of strength and speed. They just kind of use technique. So the more of those people you get to roll with, the faster your game, your ability to do this stuff will improve. If you're just starting out an Aikido school with live training, you're all going to suck, right? Including, and this is the hardest part if you're a teacher who wants to get into this, you're going to suck. You're going to suck as bad as your students. And I know this is going to hurt. It hurt me. But you're going to suck as bad as your students because you only intellectually know Aikido at this point, right? And so it's not until you start to actually do it that your your subconscious will, will catch on, right? It will catch on fast, faster than your students. So you will start to shoot ahead of them quicker than you think. But it's going to hurt in the beginning. And that's just the way it is, right? And you have to be the example to your students. It's hard. It's very hard. So, you so you play would, with it. So you would suggest in the beginning, like creating different scenarios to work with, like drills or something. That's how you have to do it. Um, and and stick very, very, very hard to the rules of those. Yep, those you're, you're clear about what your rules are. Right. And when you start to find things don't fit or work, ask your your conscious your conscious Aikido knowledgeable brain why those things aren't working and why that situation might not be right or why you might not be right. So you've got to keep going back to your Aikido and going like, oh, what does Aikido say about this? What does Aikido say about this? And then you got to train it live because it's not going to come off right at first. It's going to take you a while to get in the groove of it. Um, and I think also too, reminding your students or yourself or whoever you're working with that it's not about winning um, because it's, I think that oh, goes along yeah. in the same the same vein as wanting to go too hard and too fast because there's this part of you that's like i, I have to i can't get beat ah, you know like yeah, i'm whatever. freaking out this person yeah, yeah, yeah. right this person's so much better than me so i have to like go super hard so that they don't kick my ass it's like it's okay to get your ass kicked a little bit yeah even you if it's should. even if you it's should. not like an ass right. kicking right. it's You're just learning. like oh you got You're me learning. you know yeah. it's okay to get got a little bit i uh those are always my favorite moments anytime yeah. that in doing this kind of stuff which is like uh when someone gets me, and especially like in a in a way that like I just wasn't ex you didn't see it coming expecting, it's like ah, that's great, and it's great because it's like oh yeah, next time I know when that's right, you know, right, mm -hmm. right. It's one of the hardest things to explain to people because you are trying to win because you want to do well and you want to give your partner someone to work against, but at the same time you need to be completely accepting of your limitations, and when you lose is actually when you're learning most of the time. Um, and it's really hard, you know, and it's like for me, when I started doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, it was a great example and it was an ego shot for me because I was already black belt in Aikido and I just sucked, you know, like I just got tapped out nonstop for a while. But at one point I realized like, I'm not going to beat these guys. So instead of trying my hardest to beat them, what I'm going to do is learn from everything they do. Right, right. And I started getting good fast then because instead of trying to beat them, I mean, I was, but that wasn't my number one objective beating them. My number one objective was to see what they were doing. And by seeing what they were doing, I then started learning how to counter what they were doing, right? And so it's only through this process, like I, I was trying to win, but that's like my third or fourth goal. My first goal is like watching it. My fourth goal is like, uh, my second goal is like learning how to do it. You know what I mean? Like the, my goals were different, you know? Number one goal is not winning. Well, I think too, like um, realizing <coughs> that you or your That's students, training, by the way, yeah. Yeah, you or your students are 
gonna have different reactions to the like these live situations and i don't know for me at first like you know sometimes you just kind of like see red at first when there's somebody coming at you full speed or whatever you know and for me that's been like a long a long road of like you know just chilling out in that moment for a second you know (laughs) like you know reminding myself like like for me often my first goal when doing something new with that because I kind of tend to freak out a little bit it's just like just be okay just yeah. be calm, just be calm. Yeah. Yeah. you know like just be cool Cookie, like yeah. just just be cool um and whatever happens you know it's not even about winning or losing or like I'm not even worrying about learning right now so much as just being cool in this moment and like you know not freaking out because I right. think if you haven't done a like a live situation before and suddenly someone's coming at you with a with a punch or a weapon or whatever it is like Oh my God, you know, and so I don't know, keeping that in mind, just be cool. It's okay. Just be cool. Um, when we do the Hodoki drill, I really like, um, escape drill. The, yeah, the Hodoki escape drill, um, where it's just, someone's just holding on to you and you're just doing what, like 25 to 50% of your strength and speed. You know, you're not trying to go crazy and pop free as hard as you possibly can. If it doesn't work, you try something else. Um, I like that a lot because it's a constant reminder of like, you know, 25 to 50% and then I'm like I try too hard and I'm like oh that was way more right. than 50% right right chill out on it it's right. okay right. you know and that's forcing you to learn technique over force power and speed yeah yeah and, I, and so it's I like just reminding like ingreeing that in yourself in your own mind and in your students minds like you know just regulate yourself and go you know it's not always about winning and, and going as hard as you possibly can because that's part of that is you know the slow is smooth smooth is fast thing yeah absolutely so with we really talked a lot. We're already at forty five minutes Dang. here. So. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like no. <laughs> I feel like uh, we got through a lot. And, I mean, hopefully, people are listening to this and, and didn't get bored, and it, they they will find some things that are um, useful for them. So. This really, in my opinion, is the 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 most important subject right now for the Aikido community to be discussing is live training, how we do it, what it means. That's what we need to be discussing. And you know, like. I said my answers. Maybe someone else yeah. has got better answers yeah, yeah. or whatever. That's totally cool. Um, but it's something we all need to be working with and deciding how we want to work yeah. with it. And there, you know, uh, there could be lots of people who who are doing this or, or trying this. And so, you know, it'd be interesting if you have seen stuff. Uh, those who are listening, you know, uh, shoot it our way uh, because you know we'd like to see these things also. I think. Um, and yeah, so. If uh, if you want to do that, you can. Let's go ahead and thank our patron. Uh, we don't have to sit, thank them by name again. They know who they are. We know who yeah. you are. We know uh, who you so are. So thank you so much. Yeah. Um, we'll put your name again in the description. We really appreciate all your guys' um, support and yeah. help. And um, I think we're we're getting closer to our goal than we yeah. have yeah. been. So I think our goal right now is 15 bucks a month. Dang. Yeah, it says thirty, but I mean fifteen. Would be oh, is amazing. it thirty bucks? It's, a month? It's, I've set it at thirty, but it, that's like all right. Well, more that's than, great. Yeah, yeah, but if we get fifteen bucks a month, I think we can SoundCloud as much as we want. Yeah, uh, and then if we get over that, then we can buy uh, maybe three microphones so you can hear all of us at an equal tone. That'd be cool. That would be amazing. I want to get one of those ones, that, uh, especially when I'm editing. That would be goes amazing. right here on my yeah. collar. Oh, oh, you'd be a little fancy boy. Yeah. Uh, all right so thanks uh, everyone for listening if you haven't subscribed to the podcast please go ahead and subscribe so you can get it 
every uh, time that we put a new one up. If you haven't left a review and you like what we're doing, please do that as well. We've had some pretty good interactions with people. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. And, and, and so. the emails have been nice, too. People have been emailing us more. Super appreciate that. Um, and e- Emails or messages? Oh, sorry. I'm an old man. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Facebook messages regularly. Um, and then messages on oh. some other electronic venues. Uh, I don't know, dude. UPS um, sent me a... Um, But anyways, people have been talking back to us and it's nice. Um, And actually this live, uh, live Aikido podcast right here, this was suggested by a member and our last one, our listener, our last one was suggested by a listener and our last one was suggested by a listener. So we're starting to listen more. We're not not doing any of the work. Yeah. So that's great. So tell us what to talk about and we'll talk about it. (laughs) All right. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. (laughs)